everyone. Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today we're chatting with Dr. Mona Amin. Dr. Mona is a pediatrician, mom, and infamil's infant development expert. Her mission is to share balanced, well-researched parenting advice to lessen those big worries and help moms find more joy in motherhood. Today, we will be chatting with Dr. Mona about how to support your own cognitive changes, aka mommy brain, as a mother while also fueling your baby's cognitive changes. I know this topic is relatable for so many of us, and I'm excited to dive in and learn more with Dr. Mona. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Mona. We're so honored to have you on our podcast, Chit Chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, as are we. We always, in every podcast, we like to get started and get to know our guests a little bit more. So Dr. Mona, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you came to focus your expertise on helping mothers thrive? Yes, I am Dr. Mona Amin, and I have a platform called Peds Dog Talk, which I actually started before I became pregnant and so before I became a mother. And it was a platform to educate parents about the common questions that I hear in my office and also the common concerns and things that cause parents, especially mothers, worry. So I was getting so many mothers in my office and many of them would say, no one ever explained it to me that way, Dr. Mona, or how can I find this information online? And so I said, you know what, let me create a platform. So I created Pete's Dog Talk. And after I became a mother, obviously I got that firsthand experience and it really has fueled my desire to educate parents on their development as mothers and fathers, but also the child's development. And As a pediatrician and mom, I am just so passionate about informing new parents on how they can fuel their baby's development as well, right? I mean, we talk about our development, baby's development, as well as their immune health, and cognitive development is part of that. And that's why I'm so happy to partner with Enfamil NeuroPro um, to share my insight and advice on cognitive development, immune health, and also hear today about how moms can find more joy and happiness in motherhood. Oh, that's so amazing. And I particularly love that. As a pediatrician, you are always, you know, seeing the baby and and I'm sure getting all of the questions, but also for you to focus on the parents and moms. That just means so much to all of us. So so thank you for the amazing work that you do. You talk a lot about helping mothers find joy, which I absolutely love. What is your take on mothers today? Like, is our generation of mothers struggling to find joy more than generations past? And if so, Why do you think that is? I think we are struggling. And I actually, funny enough, talked to my mom about this. I was like, mom, why do you think our generation is seems to be more stressed out than your generation? You know, obviously our parents' generation had different issues and different concerns, but I do feel like our generation doesn't feel as content with our lives. You know, we feel like something may be missing many of the times. And I hate to say it, but I blame a lot of it on the comparison game and especially social media. Right. I do believe social media has had a huge impact on maternal mental health. So a lot of moms, especially in the pandemic, have gone to social media for that community that they may not have been able to get because they couldn't make mom friends in the pandemic or they couldn't see their mom friends. And you go to social media for education or go for a community and then you end up leaving a little bit more 
you know, feeling shitty about yourself. You're like, well, I'm not doing that. Am I not good enough? You know, am I not the mom I'm supposed to be if everyone else is doing X, Y, and Z? So I think that we have lost a lot of that joy because we tend to compare ourselves with our friends, our family, and also strangers on social media that we've never even met. And so that's what I really hope to help change for moms, you know, that mindset. And I'm so passionate about this because again, I talk a lot about infant development, cognitive development. We can't teach our babies or children anything if we're not in the right mindset or frame of mind, right? We have to really look at ourselves and how we're approaching our children in order to have the biggest impact on their development. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you said that because you're absolutely right. With social media, who is going to be posting all of the things that parents are actually concerned about? Because when you actually are able to get in a room with other parents and talk about, oh gosh, well, we're having struggles with this, or is your child doing this? Have you Mm -hmm. experienced that? And we get that sense of community. But social media, it feels really vulnerable to put those kind of struggles out there. So you're right. We're seeing everyone highlight reel. And then we kind of leave social media being like, well, darn, I guess I'm the only one feeling that way. So I completely agree with where you're coming from. And yeah, totally agree. Wonderful. Yeah. So there are so many things to worry about as a new mother, Dr. Mona. What are the first steps in ditching the worry and finding joy in motherhood? I think the first thing is figuring out what those things are and sitting down and almost trying to find your resources that aren't going to overwhelm you, right? Because sometimes we're worrying about, let's use examples, my child's development. And we'll get into, you know, my child's not developing normally, or I need to have all of these fancy toys or gadgets to engage my baby to maximize their development. So it's really important to kind of say, okay, where are you getting this information from? And where are you getting this feeling of self-doubt from? Because we have to do some retrospection here, right? Anything that we feel and think about usually comes from somewhere else. Is it our childhood? Is it how our partner makes us feel? Is it how our friends make us feel? Where are we getting this feeling of insecurity that can lead to worry, that can lead to, I feel like I'm not doing enough. So retrospection to me is one of the first steps we need to take in terms of ditch, starting to ditch that worry, right? Why am I feeling this way? Where is this coming from? And now how do I get the information that's going to help my anxiety or help my worry? Following accounts that are evidence-based, following accounts that don't make you feel like you're doing a shitty job. You know, these are all important things that we need to do to start to ditch that worry. I find that worry can be heavily connected into self-doubt, right? If we're feeling that we're not good enough, sometimes we're going to worry about what other people think. And also worry can be a very common part of just being a mom. You know, I, I think we forget from a chemical standpoint that in some anxiety and some worry is what keeps our children safe, right? We've become that protector, that mama bear, like I need to make sure that my child and myself we're all safe here. And so then you end up worrying, right, about your child's health, your development, everything about their well-being you're going to start thinking about. But you really need to reframe and look at the big picture, right? Because if you get stuck in that minutia, well, oh my gosh, my child's not doing this, but they're doing X, Y, and Z, you're going to lose that joy. You're not going to be able to see what's happening in front of your eyes with that child. And so reframing, introspection, obviously looking at what's happening in your life are really important to finding that joy and reclaiming the joy that I think we all have, but we sometimes lose in motherhood. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad, yes, that you pointed that out. It's so easy to do the comparison game, but finding that joy is is awesome. Yes, totally. Okay, so let's talk a bit more about the cognitive changes in women as they become mothers and the infamous mommy brain. This is what we really want to dive in. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, so mommy brain is definitely something that maternal psychologists see a lot of. And so from my perspective as a pediatrician, which I will give you that perspective, we see a lot of changes in the brain of the mom once they have a baby. And it's not even the fact that it's the mom, it's the primary caregiver. So primary caregivers can be male, right? I mean, we know that that's not always the case that it's going to be mom. But the reason why it gets mommy brain as the label is that still to this day, mothers tend to be the primary caregiver. Primary caregiver means the person doing more of the day in and day out, the diaper changes, the putting to sleep, the rocking, all of those things that involve emotional connection with the baby, physical care for the baby, and feeding the baby. So we find that moms go through something called mommy brain, which is changes in activity in different parts of the brain and increases in different parts of the brain. So one of the biggest things that I can share is that research has found that there's increased activity in the amygdala. This is the part of the brain responsible for emotional processing in both moms and dads who are the baby's primary caregiver. So amygdala activity is very heightened when we become a mother or become a parent and we are the primary caregiver. It can make us more emotional in terms of being concerned, worrying, all of those things. And also changes in the brain can also cause us to feel clouded sometimes, right? We always think, oh, mommy brain, I just it's something that I can overcome. Yes, it's some things that you can do with obviously reframing and things like that, but there is some different wiring that happens when we become a mom. We tend to feel more clouded. Our judgment feels more emotionally driven. And this all has to do with psychology, neurochemistry, and also evolutionary to keep our children safe. Oh, wow. That is fascinating. And I will say, I will attest to mommy brain. I feel like it also happened during pregnancy. I just was like, you know, feeling nervous about certain things mm-hmm. and also just forgot a bunch of stuff. And then people say, oh yeah, that's pregnancy brain. And then I'm like, no, but this is like mom brain. Like it didn't go away. So Dr. Mona, did you experience that? <laughs> so I experienced more mommy brain than I did pregnancy brain. So I, you know, people talked about being pregnant and having like, you know, that I didn't feel that at all. I did Definitely. Oh, that's awesome. I did feel mommy brain. And for me, it was that before I had a baby, I was able to multitask and was able to do so many different things and remember. My short-term memory was stellar before I had a baby. And now when I'm talking to someone, especially my husband, I don't know why, when I'm talking to my husband and he says something and I'm like, wait, what did you just say? And he's like, are you listening to me? And I'm like, no. And I think a lot of it has to do also because of the mental load of being a mom, which is not mommy brain. That's just the amount of stuff we have to do. So you have the the genetic changes and you know the changes in a chemistry standpoint of our brain architecture and then you have the amount of things that we have to think about for ourselves maybe for our partner and for our family and for our child i need to put this on the list i need to make sure we contact this for the school i mean the amount of things that i think any mother can attest to on a daily basis that we have to think about is astronomical i mean i wake up every day and i'm like oh my gosh, I have to write it all down now. I used to be able to like put it, you know, just remember it. And now I'm like, if I don't write it down, I'm not going to do it. It takes a lot of retraining to be able to do that. So I do think it's really real. You know, we have forgetfulness. And I think when you recognize it as something that's normal 
and something that's happening is when you can start to embrace the superpower, right? I right. I do believe that moms, even though we go through mommy brain, we have this weird superpower now. I talk to other mom friends and I feel like we have this sixth sense when we become a mom. We have this intuition that as we embrace our mommy brain, we start to know when mm, something doesn't feel right. Mm, I don't like the way my kid looks. Mm, I don't like how this is working out. You start to read people better. Like you really become this superhero of mommy brain, I think is the superpower that we learn to possess. That's so true. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I love how you put that in a positive way because I'm always like, oh my gosh, my mommy brain, it's just like <laughs> taken over and I can't remember anything. And you're so right with all of the things that we have to remember. I'm now like, oh my gosh, but those things don't go away. So will I have mommy brain forever, Dr. Mona? <laughs> no, you will not have mommy brain forever. I think, you know, any changes in our brain chemistry, we learn to adapt, right? So right. there is a fine balance, though, if mommy brain becomes anxiety, if mommy brain becomes depression. You know, these are two different entities. Mommy brain should not be those things. You know, you shouldn't have an anxiety disorder where you feel worried about everything in your life, right? You shouldn't feel depressed. That's different. Mommy brain is one thing and anxiety and depression are another. So if you're starting to feel like that mommy brain is now becoming where you're not able to do your normal activities, where you're really, it's affecting relationships. You know, this is when we say, hey, it's time to really talk to a professional, talk to a loved one on what you need to bring that state of mind back to yourself where you're able to take on the day, right? You're able to take on your cognitive tasks for the day because it shouldn't be to the level where you can't perform at work, you can't perform with your child, you just can't be yourself, right? It's learning to adapt, but also recognizing that something is not right. And insight to me is so important for anyone, especially a mom. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought up emotions because that leads me to my next question. And jumping back to pregnancy, from the moment a woman becomes pregnant, she experiences just so many different emotions. Can you walk us through what this looks like and what happens to our emotions as we become mothers? So experiencing so many different emotions, this is one of those things that, again, I feel like we need to really put this on, you know, flyers and throw it out of an airplane that different women will, will experience different emotions throughout pregnancy and motherhood. So some women during pregnancy feel so happy and joyous and they feel so happy in their bodies. They feel everything's great and rosy and that is their experience. And I don't think we should shut that down, right? Because I think sometimes also on social, when a mother is sharing the beauty of their life, people are like, oh, why are you so positive? And why do you always think everything's great? maybe that person does feel everything is great, right? And then we have moms who may not feel so great, may feel like their body has changed and they don't like the way their body looks. They feel bloated. They are nervous about being a mom. Some moms are excited about being a mom. And some moms feel all of it, right? Through the course of pregnancy, they're worried about their baby. How's my baby doing in utero? My baby's not kicking. What does this mean? Is my baby growing okay? And then they go through, well, am I ready to be a mom? Am I ready for this big task? How am I going to handle sleep deprivation? How am I going to handle the responsibility? Am I selfless enough to become a mother, right? Like, am I able to care for another human being when I've never taken care of another person before? So these are all very healthy emotions. And I think when we talk about embracing mommy brain too, it's about embracing any of these emotions that you may experience and not feel guilty for them, right? right. Guilt is also an emotion that you may feel, right? And that's okay. You may feel guilty that you don't love your child as much as your friend loves their child perceivingly, right? You love that kid, but you are holding yourself to a standard that's been created by someone else. You are in control 
of your experiences with your child, you're in control with your experiences with yourself and your emotions, right? And I think, again, that comparison game, sometimes we feel we should feel a certain way. I don't love my kid enough. Do I? I love them, but I don't, you know, baby wear and I don't do this and I don't do this. Is that okay? I love my kid, but I show my love in different ways. So recognizing that that is going to be part of your pregnancy and that will also go into postpartum and motherhood as well. Yeah. I'm so glad you're mentioning that because I think a lot of people are like, gosh, I I see other people who are just so consumed with motherhood and it's like an obsession. And and of course I love and I'm obsessed with my kid, but gosh, I'm not like creating a whole new hashtag or, you know, a new mm-hmm. account or something like that. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. And we're talking about mommy brain and, and making fun of it. At least I am normally, but just medically speaking, <laughs> how would you describe it to someone who, particularly probably a man who has never and probably maybe will never, if like you said, they're not the main caregiver of the child, how would you describe it medically to them? Yeah. So I think we have to remember that hormones play a huge part in motherhood, in women, and in the bonding that we do with children. And I am going to, I don't want to say put the blame, but I want people to recognize that hormones are very much involved in our emotional state. So even in pregnancy, right, postpartum anxiety, or even anxiety in pregnancy can be hormone mediated. And then also when we become moms and become the primary caregiver, there's a huge rush of hormones that are released, whether you're breastfeeding or formula feeding. These hormones can change the chemistry, change the composition, change the genetics, if you will, of our brain. And this isn't for the worst. This is adaptability because we are now responsible for taking care of a human being. So when you're responsible for taking care of a human being, when you look at an evolutionary standpoint, right, we are supposed to care for our young, provide for them and keep them safe. The basics of a child, I mean, of course, we do way more now in modern parenting, shelter, food, and teaching them and loving them, right? This is what the basic needs of a child are. And your brain is going to rewire itself to make sure that you are keeping your child safe, you're providing for them, and that you are loving them, right? And that comes with changes in our neurochemistry, changes in the brain actual brain structures, like I said earlier with the amygdala. And this is all hormone mediated and is very natural. So to shut it down and say, oh, it's not real. It's not happening. Oh, no, no, no. It actually is very real. This is something that we see. And it's something that we need to embrace, especially, you know, for males, if they're not the primary caregiver, grandmas who are not primary caregiver, when you're seeing that primary caregiver, if they're struggling with this new rush of emotion, if they're struggling with this new rush of I feel clouded. We need to embrace that and say, what does it feel like? How can I help you? Do you feel like this is something that needs help from me? Do you need help from a professional? And start having those conversations so these mothers don't feel so alone and isolated when they're going through this very natural experience. Yes, yes. And it just made me also think of like, you know, people probably think, oh, well, for a family who may be adopted, oh, you adopted your child, so you're probably not going to experience these things. But that's so untrue from basically what you're saying, right? Absolutely. There has been many studies showing that it does not matter if you birthed the baby. Obviously, there are hormones that happen from just, you know, breastfeeding or pregnancy, but I'm even talking the bonding that we do with the child. So adopt, yes, parents who have a baby via surrogacy, parents that have a 
child via adoption, they experienced the changes as well. And so we looked at also uh, same-sex couples, especially same-sex male couples, right? The primary caregiver is going to be a male and they're going to experience the same changes in their brain chemistry and their brain structures because of the bonding that's being done with a child, that love and that care that's being given. Your brain is going to rewire itself to continue caring for that baby and continue wanting to keep that baby safe and loved. Oh, that's amazing. It's beautiful. I think it's really beautiful. You know, I think we forget how much that, and I love that you brought up the adoption comment because it's so important that people hear that, that yes, it is everyone, every child and parent bond is capable of love and connection. And it's not, oh, I breastfed or formula fed. Oh, I had a vaginal or C-section. Oh, I did this or that. It is what happens when you're with your baby one-on-one when they are born and the interactions you have. You know, that is what creates bond. That is what changes our brains for the better. I mean, again, this is adaptability so that we continue evolutionary to care and love that child. And as a mother myself, like, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Like, I I think my amygdala is huge right now. Like, it's probably, like, (laughs) bursting at the seams right now. But, like, no, all of these very strong, you know, big organ structures that are involved in emotion are huge in me right now. And I tell my husband, like, every day I grow more in love with my child. And initially, I didn't bond with him. Like, I had a really difficult bonding experience because of a traumatic delivery. And I looked at my son almost like I was looking from above. Like, I didn't feel connected to him. I looked at him like I I love him, but I felt like I almost took care of him like a patient. Like I wasn't taking care of him like someone that came out of me. I described it as I was looking above at a woman who was taking care of a child. It didn't change until he was about eight months that I started to really connect with him and really feel like he was like my extension of myself. And then it got even more so when he became a toddler, when I started seeing his personality, when I started to see his, you know, his likes and his dislikes. And every day now, I mean, every single day, my husband's probably like, why do you keep telling me? I'm like, he's amazing. Like, I love him so much. It took me so long to feel that bond. And I don't feel guilt about it. I don't regret it. But I want to remind moms that sometimes it can take time to feel that bond. And it's okay. Don't feel guilty. You may feel guilty and that's okay. But I want you to embrace it and move through it so that you can really feel that connection with your child. Uh, Thank you for sharing that because I know so many moms who feel that, but they just do not have like the the guts to be able to say that out loud to anyone else other than themselves, because then they feel like they're going to be shamed or labeled a bad mom. So, and that's so the furthest thing from the truth. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That is amazing. Oh gosh. So Dr. Mona, with the baby at the top of, you know, all of our priority lists, after you have a baby or adopt a baby or however you have the baby in your arms, how can mothers support themselves and these cognitive changes while still being present and nurturing their new baby? Yes. And so cognitive development and social and emotional development are the two cores for me. So we have four domains of development cognitive, social, emotional, motor, and language and communication. Obviously, motor and language and communication are very important. These are the things that you see all the time, speaking, moving, all that, right? But social, emotional, and cognitive are things that you may not always see on Instagram or social media, right? These are the things that are happening behind the scenes and actually the foundation of development. So it's important to have baby do both interactive and independent activities to promote cognitive development in the first few months. You know, actually 
68% of parents with children under one year have been taking extra steps, especially in this pandemic, to make up for the lack of stimulating opportunities. Because this is from like an infamil poll that was done, because they are realizing that their children aren't getting any external stimuli from playdates and whatnot. Right. They are really taking extra steps. And some of these extra steps look like floor play on the ground and allowing your child to have an opportunity to experience things on their own. So how does this look like with a newborn, right? Because your newborn needs you. But when your newborn starts to look around more, you can start to put them in tummy time, on their belly, put black and white images, have them play on the floor, and just give them some time without you in their face. Allow them some time to be bored with you, you know, by their side. You don't need to be chatting and talking and, oh, look at this and look at this. Just sit and let them be. And then when they start to fuss or when they're looking around, verbalize what they're seeing, right? So the goal here is balancing interactive and independent activities, allowing your child to have some autonomy with the play that they're doing, meaning not intervening all the time, but also being that presence. When my child was young, we did such a big balance, right? And the reason why this is so important is I feel like parents sometimes feel that they have to be in their baby's face all the time. Okay, look at this rattle. And then now you do this. And now we're going to play here. Yes, you want to engage them. Obviously, they're not going to like move a rattle on their own, but it also means it's okay to do the rattle, you know, move it across midline, see if they look, because that's a cognitive skill of being able to look at something in their environment and move their eyes to track it. That's cognitive development. Right. But also, it's okay to just say, hey, look, you can lay on your back underneath a mobile, right? Like underneath a play gym and start to bat at items yourself, right? I don't need to show you how to do that. You can figure out things on your own. So I really encourage parents to do an autonomy independence model, which is something I created, which basically says, I'm giving my child some autonomy to figure out the world, but I'm also going to be there if they need it. So I'm going to give them autonomy and independence, but I'm also going to intervene if they need me, if they start fussing, if they're confused, if they're looking at something and their eyebrows are getting furrowed, I'm going to say, oh, does that look interesting? Do you like the colors? Isn't it very colorful? And there's a lot of different textures to it. Like you're describing things to them if they're showing interest. So it's that balance. And why is it so important for us? It's so important because it allows you to give them those foundation skills for independence, right? I see so many moms in my office who feel like they can never put their child down. They can never put their child down. Right, I'm sure. And I tell them, I'm like, your child will need you. Don't get me wrong. Our children need us. But we can start from the beginning in creating this reality that you are capable of doing things on your own, meaning play with me by your side. I'm not going to be leaving the room, but you know, like I can be next to you and you can be playing so that you will start to eventually get to a point where you can leave your child to play with you in the kitchen, watching them from afar, right? For safety. So you're going to get to that point with repetition, with allowing them to experience what it feels like to play on their own. Independent play is so vital for children. I mean, my son is such an independent player because I think of the foundation that we set from an early age that, hey, bud, you're going to play. Mommy's right here. I'm not going anywhere. But why don't you figure this out on your own? As he got older, if he got stressed or confused or frustrated, we'd be right there for him, right? You're not leaving your child, but I think parents feel like, oh, I'm abandoning my kid if I'm not always in their face. I'm not, you know, they're not going to learn anything. It's that balance. That balance is what's going to engage them and teach them independence. But it's also what's going to give you some sanity so that you can do things that you need to do around the house and your child will grow up understanding I am capable of independence 
and I have my parent. And that is the definition of secure attachment for a child. Ah, oh, these are such golden like nuggets <laughs> of wisdom. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Yeah, Rona. Of course. Okay, now I want to know about mom. Like we know that motherhood is just a total roller coaster. What strategies do you recommend for managing these new emotions? You know, we're talking about emotions a lot and overcoming mommy brain. What are those strategies? I think the first thing is recognizing them as the myriad of different emotions that you're able and capable of feeling. So recognition is first, hey, I'm feeling this way. Acceptance is the second. It's okay that I'm feeling this way. And the third is insight. So I don't like the way I'm feeling. How can I get to a place where I'm feeling how I want to feel? So acceptance, recognition, and insight, right? We need to remember all of those things in order to move through emotions. What do I mean by move through emotions? I want mothers and I want myself to always understand that I'm, it's okay if I'm angry. It's okay if I'm feeling guilty. It's okay if I'm feeling happy or sad, any of these human emotions. I don't like the way anger makes me feel. I don't like the way guilt makes me feel. How can I now take this acceptable human emotion and move it to something else that is more makes me feel good, which means joy or happiness. So guilt, for example, right? Recognizing guilt as a normal human emotion. Okay. I don't like this. This makes me feel guilty. And then what do you do? Reframing exercises. So reframing exercises, a lot of this is mindfulness meditation practice that I've done for years. It's looking at a situation and looking at the duality of the situation, right? So with guilt. Okay. So you have your guilty, you feeling guilty because you have to work and you want to spend more time with your child, right? Mm-hmm. So the duality of being a working mom is I have to go to work and I'm, I'm not with my child. My child gets to see a mother who is able to do something that they're passionate about, right? These two things exist. You're not able to be with your child all the time, but your child is seeing someone who has passion for something else that's not being a mother, which is obviously really cool for a child to see. So now your choice when you reframe is recognizing both of those things as valid, both of those things as reality, but I am choosing to focus and I'm making my choice to focus on the positive, which means my child gets to see me go to work every day and do something that I love. And they are going to also in their life, find something that they love too. So that is what we have to do when we reframe, right? Look at the duality of every situation. You're going to find a bad and a good to every situation, okay? And it's then taking that choice. And when you have choice in a situation, that is when you are going to feel control, right? We tend to feel out of control when we don't have choice, when we feel like someone else is making the decision or, you know, I'm not in control of this and that. That's why I feel insecure or feel anxiety. But when you make that choice, no, I am the one choosing, to do this. I am the one who is saying that, yes, I get to go to work. I get to, not I have to. I get to do this. I get to go and make money. I get to contribute. I get to show my son or daughter that I love being a doctor or that I love doing this and I'm helping people. And that is pretty awesome. So that is what we have to do when we want, you know, when we're worrying about things and trying to figure out those emotions and especially how to get us back to a place that brings us joy. Oh, so true. So true. And I'm glad you said worry because that's my next question for you. In today's world, there are so many things that mothers have to worry about. And obviously, while we can't make these worries disappear, what can we do to manage them? And I think this goes in line to what I just mentioned also about finding what I mentioned earlier, like finding ways 
to make your worries be more reassured. And this is going to be maybe a physician, maybe a, you know, a therapist, maybe people that are professionals that can help you talk to you in a way that makes you feel more comfortable. And everyone's going to have a different way of approaching this, right? right? So again, like you said, we cannot make worries disappear completely. So now it's about, I have this worry and I'm feeling X, Y, and Z. I need to talk to someone, whether it's my child's clinician, about my child, whatever the problem is, you want to go to the person that may help you in a way that you need helping to help talk it through, right? I don't want moms to feel alone in their worry and that their worries don't matter. You know, especially after becoming a mom, I've gained a lot of insight into that when I have mothers come into my office, you know, before I became a mom, I definitely was empathetic, but I've added a whole new layer of compassion after becoming a mom, right? Like I've really understood that, okay, even if I don't think this is a big deal in my mind, in, if a kid comes in with something, this mother is obviously coming in super concerned. So how can I address it? Right. And sometimes it means asking the mother or voicing it. Why are you feeling this way? Why are you feeling worried? What about this? Well, I just feel like, you know, if I do this activity, then my child will have this. Well, where is that coming from? It goes back to that first, you know, that earlier question you asked me, it's finding out where this is coming from so that we can attack it in a more deeper sense. Yes. Oh yeah. So true. And I want to know, Dr. Mona, how can our partners support us through these emotional changes? I think it's acceptance. It's not brushing it under the rug. Yeah. You know, I went through a very heavy time when my son was born. I mean, I went through every stage of grief in about a two week period. It was very intense. And especially that's the time when I was, I had a baby because we had a very traumatic delivery. I was in the ICU. My son was in the ICU. And I told my husband, the biggest thing that he did was allow me to grieve and don't tell me that it's not a big deal. Right. I mean, it's so important for people to feel validated. Yes. And validation, there's an art to validation because we also have to recognize that in some ways, some feelings are not healthy, right? When I say that, like feelings of self-harm, feelings of hurting someone else, right? Feelings of severe depression, like that is when we need official, you know, professional help. But I'm talking like those, I'm feeling sad. Like, I'm just feeling like I can't connect to my baby. I think things are going to be okay, but I just want to talk about it. So partners need to recognize that all feelings are valid. They need to accept. And they also need to be ready to be a sounding board. And if they're not capable emotionally to be a sounding board, they need to be supportive of helping that partner find a resource to be a sounding board. So I have had many situations where moms feel so alone, they're going through postpartum depression, and their partner says things like, it's not that big of a deal. Every mom goes through this. Why are you special? I oh, mean, come no. on. Like, I mean, it hurts me. It hurt pains me so deeply. Postpartum depression isn't real. I mean, I've heard these words, okay? Oh, wow. And it, it, it kills me to hear that because I'm like, wow, that is the last thing someone going through depression needs to hear. What they need to hear from their partner is, I see you're going through something. How can I help? If I'm not capable of helping you, because I don't expect everyone to always be able to help each other, right? Me and my husband talk about this all the time. Sometimes I'm going through things and sometimes he's going through things. And sometimes we're going through things at the same time right? We're going through downs in our life at the same time with work or, you know, feeling insecure, da, da, da. But it's important to communicate that and saying right now, I can't be there for you. And it doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean that I can't be there for you in the future. I'm just dealing with so many things right now that I need to, you know, get a grasp on. How can I help you? Who can help you? And it's having those conversations so we don't isolate our partners. We don't make them feel like their feelings don't matter and coming up with a game plan so that we can get back to that joy in our life. 
Oh, that's such good tips. Gosh, you guys send this to your partners so then they can totally <laughs> listen and write all of this down. So what is your best advice, Dr. Mona, for a new mom looking to ditch the worry and really find the joy? I think one of the biggest things is recognizing your new self, you know, understand that you are taking on a new role. I describe it like when you start a new job, right? When you start a new job, it's not going to be easy day one, right? You're going to have some struggles. You're going to deal with some issues. You're going to feel burnt out. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're not good enough for this. You're going to feel like they should have hired someone else. It's like a job, right? I mean, this is the most important job you'll ever do being a mom and recognizing it as a new role that you're taking on so that you don't beat yourself up over it. You wouldn't beat yourself up over taking on a new role at a company, right? You're going to, you understand that there's going to be trial and error. You understand that you're going to have to reach out to people who have done this before. You're going to have to reach out to your seniors. You're going to have to reach out to colleagues. That is what we have to do as moms, right? We have to reach out to people who've done this. We have to reach out to people who are, you know, our support squad and talk about it, right? This is what's going to really help you ditch that worry and find that joy again, that I actually, you know, I have this role, I'm feeling overwhelmed, or I'm feeling like I'm not doing good enough. But am I really not doing good enough? Am I following social media accounts that make me feel shitty? Why am I following these accounts? Either mute them or unfollow. You want to surround yourself with a squad that uplifts you, right? You want to uh, surround yourself with people that are going to feed. And I'm not talking about feeding your ego. I'm talking about feeding yourself that so that you can be the best version of yourself. If you're not doing things right or if things are not going well, you need someone to tell you that. But you really need that support in that way that you want to be talked to. We all are different, like I said. Some of us like tough love. Some of us need our hand held a little bit. Some of us need physical touch. So it's important to find that. How do you want to be spoken to? What is your love language? And finding that support squad to make that happen. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And you've already listed just some good resources, but now I'm curious, Dr. Mona, are there any specific resources that you recommend our listeners that they should look into to learn more about emotional changes in motherhood? I really love, I actually had this doctor on my podcast, um, Dr. DeMarco. She wrote a book called Mom Brain. So I actually think it's a really awesome book. Mom Brain, Proven Strategies to Fight the Anxiety, Guilt, and Overwhelming Emotions of Motherhood and Relax into Your New Self. I mean, it's everything that we're talking about, but she talks about it more, obviously, on a PhD in psychology. So she talks it more about it more on that standpoint, where I know I'm connecting it more with you know, cognitive development for children and babies, but it's so important. It's a great read. I've read it myself. I think it's such an important thing that we need to talk about and recognize. And so she is a great resource. She has an Instagram account, but I would take a look at mom brain is exactly what we've been speaking about today. Fantastic. So helpful. And I just want to know, do you have any final thoughts or advice for our listeners, Dr. Mona? I think one of the biggest things to remove guilt and worry is to really look at the big picture. What are your big goals for yourself in terms of being a parent for your child, right? You know, my goals for my son is that I want him to be loved. I want him to be kind and I want him to feel love and I want him to understand and have insight when he's not feeling himself. I mean, I know that sounds pretty simple, meaning when listing it off so quickly. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, that is my goal. That is what I want him to strive for, right? And that is what I'm going to get him to do. And it's all overlying feelings, right? It's not like I want him to be this successful. I want him to do this. It all is character. Character is so important for me. So look at the big picture of what are your goals for your child? And then I want you to look at who am I getting information from, right? Look at the big picture when it comes to development. Do I need to do so much 
No, you don't need to do so much. Generations before us have parented children and have raised healthy, loving children without doing so much. I think our generation is amazing, but we overdo. And by overdoing and overreading, we overworry. There is such a thing as information overload. And information overload looks like I'm going to read all the resources. I'm going to read four different resources from one topic by four different people. I encourage you not to do that. I want you to find maybe two people in a field. So for example, two pediatricians, two developmental specialists, two sleep people, like really start to limit your world on who you're getting professional advice from and also who you're getting parenting advice from, right? Because when you start to get a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you're going to start to forget what your individual goals are. You're going to start to forget, well, what what was my goal to begin with? Do I want to do this? Do I want to sleep train? What do I want to do? Like you're going to lose sight of who you are. And when you start to lose sight of who you are as a mom or as a parent, that is when worry can set in. That is when guilt can set in. And that is when you can start to lose joy. So I want to really have you reclaim who you are, your identity, what your role is as a mom, as a working person, if you are working, right? All of the roles that you carry. I don't want you to lose sight of who you are besides being a mom, because those parts of your identity are important too. And then in that standpoint, it's also important to recognize that at many points in your life, some of those different roles are going to need to take a backseat to the other. Sometimes you're going to have to put your job First, sometimes you're going to have to put your child here. Sometimes you're going to have to put your marriage here. Sometimes you can't be great at everything, but you're going to have to find that way of balancing your life and getting to that point where you're going to say, okay, right now I need to say no at work more because I need to focus on this and my husband and this. Sometimes my husband needs this, but I'm going to tell him, hey, I have something for work that is something I need to do. That is what I mean by balancing your responsibilities. And to me, that is when you'll find joy. Oh, such good thoughts and advice for our listeners. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Mona. And now for our listeners who don't already follow you or listen to you, we want to know where can our listeners find you? Yes, there are so many ways you can find me. So Instagram is one of the best places, PedsDocTalk, P-E-D-S-D-O-C-T-A-L-K. I also have a podcast, the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I have a YouTube channel called Pete's Doc Talk TV. I also have a e-course for moms talking about a lot of this, but also about everything in the first year, tying in all of the self-doubt with baby care and sleep and feeding and hygiene and all of that. And then I'm also a developmental expert for Enfamil, and I write a lot of articles about child development, cognitive development, and you can find any of my articles that I write for them on Enfamil.com. Amazing. Well, basically, just do a good Google search for Peds Doc Talk, and you yes. guys can find a ton about Dr. Mona. That's amazing. Well, yes. this was so helpful, Dr. Mona. Thank you again for sharing your knowledge and diving into the real emotions of motherhood. I know this will help so many moms out there who are experiencing these feelings. It was such a pleasure. I love talking about these things. It's so important for not only ourselves, but our children too. And it really comes down to just being the best version of ourselves and finding that joy. And we're all going to define that in different ways. Oh, so true. Here, here. I agree. Thank you again. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Dr. Mona, as we said, just Google Pete's Doc Talk. You can find her on the web or Instagram, YouTube, all over the place. So please visit her at Pete's Doc Talk. Our 
team will be posting today's episode on Baby Chick's Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comments section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Cheers to less worry and more joy, mamas. Thank you.